Hello, my name is Son of a Bass Fish, or Season, but I would like to bring up this new podcast that I would like to call Creepy Podsta. And basically, the premise of the whole series is that I read stories, and that's really about it. So, we can go ahead and get into the first one. The first episode of Creepypasta Short Stories, Part 1. I would like to start off this episode with Darkness in the Rearview Mirror. In the summer of 2013, I found myself driving home alone on Highway 902 from a party. It was almost midnight, and needless to say, it was pitch black. As was usual at night, I was on edge. I had the radio off and could hear nothing but the muffled roar of tires on pavement and the dull hum of the engine. I stole a glance into the middle rearview mirror and saw nothing but darkness through the black back window. I know that I looked backward and saw nothing. I'm sure of it. Just the seemingly endless blackness of night. I remember it so clearly because not ten seconds later... A car passed me to the left, headlights on. I had one of those sudden adrenaline rushes like when you think you see a person outside your bedroom window when it's just a tree, or when you start awake at night with the feeling of falling. Ten seconds later, nothing, nothing had been behind me. Suddenly, a car. I drove the rest of the way home, shivering and knowing something was off. The next morning, I found two sets of scratches near the back of my van. One was on the left rear, and one was on the right. The car was pretty old. They could have been there for months, but that was the first time time I've distinctly remembered seeing them. In hindsight, there are two possibilities of what happened last night. Possibility one, by some glitch in reality or something paranormal. This car, this other car, had somehow appeared behind me within ten seconds of me checking my mirror, like some weird ghost crap or something. However, the second option is what makes my blood run cold whenever I consider it. I didn't even occur to me until months after the fact, but it made me, but it makes me dread driving alone at night even more. Possibility two. The car was normal. It had approached me from the rear and passed me to my left. However, something large and wide and as black as the night had been clinging to the rear of my car, obscuring my view through the window and leaving deep scratches on the side. And I had inadvertently driven home with a... The second story is called Instant Messaging. It all started on the 14th night of March, the night of my parents' 20th wedding anniversary. It was a norm, wonderful, sunny day, if memory serves. Surprisingly warm for before the beginning of spring. The beautiful weather was perfect for the atmosphere of the day. Being a married, being married for 20 years is obviously a momentous occasion. So, my parents had booked a table for a at our favorite Italian restaurant. 
Of course, this was a formal occasion, so I had my best suit on. It was 5.53 p.m., and I was just straightening my tie when my phone went off. I'd receive a message. That's strange. That never happens. I checked my messages. It was from my mom. It was quite a jumble of numbers and letters, but through the vocabulary stew, I could make out the legible phrase, Please help me. I should go without saying that this worried me greatly, so I immediately replied, Are you okay? Just as just as instantly, I got another text from her, which read, Oops, pocket text. <laughs> I signed with... I sighed with all the relief I had continued to prepare myself. A few minutes later, I received another message, this time from my dad. I, and once again, it was a massive mixture of the letters and numbers with the phrase, Please help me. Concealed within. Creepy though this was, my dad was always a joker, so I presumed he was just joking around until I was sent another text saying oops pocket text now this sparked panic pure unmistakable panic exactly half a minute passed when i received the exact same message from my sister this could not be coincident coincidental it just couldn't in a state of sheer anxiety i started to run to the restaurant i made it about a quarter of the way before i was stopped by an officer Main road's closed, he said. Huge car crash. This was the exact moment. What just happened? I realized what just happened. I demanded to see the wrecks. I requested a, a request. I'm surprised I was allowed. When I got there, I wasn't. It wasn't the remnants of the car that caught my eye. No. Not the flames billing from the destroyed vehicle. No, I was horrified to see the lifeless corpse of my mom, my father, and my sister. I asked for the estimated time of their deaths. All three of them were killed instantly by the collision at 532. This third story is called Roommate Troubles. This actually happened to me a few years back in the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. My sophomore year, I roomed with a girl named Kara. She was a jazz vocalist, but her main interest was opera, for some reason. We had a small room on the sixth floor of a dormitory named called Ju Juniper Hall. The walls were thin, and her last night singing vo voice practices would keep me up late. After a month or so of lost sleep, I convinced her to move her last night practices to the music studios in the Merriam Theater building a block away. Around 8 p.m. one evening, evening, Carr announced that she would be practicing late for an upcoming recital and probably won't be home until around midnight. Great, I thought. That means I can go to bed early. I was beat. I had a horrible day in acting studio and was ready to pass out as soon as I had dinner. She said goodnight and left coffee and sheet music in hand. I made some grilled cheese and soup, gobbled it down, and immediately be be began 
to prepare for bed. By the time I got out of the shower, my eyelids were so heavy I could hardly even brush my teeth. I pulled on my Jeep PJs and crawled onto the top bunk of our bunk bed. As soon as I was out, as soon as my head hit the pillow. I should take a second to describe the layout of our apartment. When entering the apartment, the bedroom was though a door immediately to the left. Our bathroom was inside the bedroom, just past the bunk beds. You arts is nice in the sense that you don't have to share bathrooms. Anyway, I woke up to the sound of the apartment door closing. I opened my eyes and groggily checked my phone. Midnight on the dot. I rolled back over and closed my eyes. I heard Kara enter the room and stop in front of our buck bed, checking to see if I'm actually asleep. I thought. She flopped down on the bed pillow, or on the bed below me, which was strange, as she was a stickler for brushing her teeth and washing up before bed. Then again, exams were just around the corner, and we were all exhausted. The mattress below me creaked, and then there was silence. I couldn't even hear her breathing. I started to drift off again. I was just on the edge of a deep sleep when I started startled awake again by a noise. I came the lock. Our door opening. And Kara entering our apartment, humming an opera tune. The mattress below me creaked. I would like to end this first episode off with Kids in the Dark. Growing up poor in the Deep South meant sharing a lot with my brother, Ollie, most often. Most often, we'd pass toys, clothes, and skin conditions between us. Up until he was six, we even shared a bed. Neither of us were happy about that. It was my 10th birthday when that changed. I got one present last year, and it was a bed of my own. Ollie was jealous right away, and I could understand that. He had to keep that half-broken-down frame with the worn-out mattress. The one I'd gotten wasn't much better, but, but not being broken and worn was enough. Sleeping apart was, feeling, was a great feeling. It was freedom. No longer would I have to suffer the, suffer the sudden and inexplicable kicks to the stomach. No longer would I have to wake up with Ollie's foot pressed into my neck like he stepped on Dracula the night before. At least that's what I thought. Right away, right after I got the new bed, the shriek started. At first I thought Ollie woke up in the middle of the night and screamed because he had gotten scared. Then the sound echoed through the tiny room again and I knew it wasn't a normal cry. The room was pitch black after sunset. The room, the one window we had was pressed against a longleaf pine and even the biggest brightest moon cast no light inside. I sh the shriek just above just about drove me crazy. Every night, probably at the exact same time, these sharp yelps would knock me right out of my dreams. It wasn't my mom or dad yelling either. I knew that it sounded like... I knew what that sounded like, believe me. Most worrying of all was the fact that I could never tell where it was coming from. It seemed completely random. One night, 
It'd come from somewhere near the closet. The next, it'd shoot out from a corner of the ceiling. Any hope I had of having my own space would get dashed every time as Ollie would silently slip into bed with me, shaking like crazy. He collapsed onto me and wouldn't let go until it was almost daybreak. Most times, I'd take his hand and tell him everything was going to be okay, that it'd be over by morning, but I was never really sure. Over time, the shriek, the shriek started changing. At first, it was only about a small degrees, but eventually it took on the primal hooding sound of a primate calling out its fierce warning. I had to collapse my pillows to my ear just to keep from going deaf. Mom and Dad never believed me or Ollie, basically because the thing, whatever it is, refused to make a peep whenever they were in the worm room. Apparently, they couldn't even hear it, though. The walls were, the walls, even though it was damn sure loud enough. The shriek just got worse and worse until it felt like it couldn't take anymore. Me and Ollie were doing really bad in school, and we just had no energy at all. I could I could sleep more deeply with my head propped up and my eyes open in the middle of the class than in my own room at night. Then, thankfully, we moved out of the house nearly a year later. I had contemplated all sorts of things, even as a child's con clumsy concept of suicide, not to get away from the horrific nightly noise. There was no problem at the next house. It was a nice white cookie-cutter home on the dead-end street, and I welcomed the normalcy. What more? What's more? When we moved in, there was a bunk bed waiting for me and Ollie. No more broken bed, no more second bed I ended up having to share anyway. The only problem was deciding who'd get the top bunk. I told... I told Ollie I deserved it. After all, I had gotten the new bed way back, and he ruined it by climbing every night. What? He shook his head. I never did that. I'd always wondered why the noises stopped the second I was sharing my bed. Now I have the answer.